People had doubted, could this be possible in California? I understand why people can think that. This is California, this is America, we don't have that. And, and we do. So just in 2022, they eradicated 1,100 illegal cannabis locations. They seized 1.4 million plants, cannabis plants, 97 tons of processed marijuana, 350 illegal firearms. How did this happen? Our sheriff's deputies have been shot at at the Groves. Now we see watchtowers that have popped up with, with guards that are guarding and alerting the grow sites you see at nighttime, you hear the generators and you can see the lights in the distance. It felt like I was in a third world country in our own county. It was crazy. After Prop 64 passed, illegal marijuana growth became a misdemeanor in California. Therefore, the number of illegal marijuana growth sites across the state has dramatically increased. My guest today is Don Rao, San Bernardino County Supervisor, who was also unanimously selected by her colleagues to serve as the chair of the board. Today, she explains impacts of illegal growth sites in San Bernardino County and what the county is doing to eradicate illegal growing. It's only a $500 misdemeanor ticket to grow. Whether you have one plant or 500 plants, it doesn't matter, it's the same $500 citation. Do you think it's tied to cartels? Do we have- Absolutely. The land is vast, the water is available, and where it's going to its destination, it's much closer. So why risk bringing it over the border illegally when you can grow it here and get away with it? I'm Siamai Karami, welcome to California Insider. Great to be here, thank you. We want to talk to you about the phenomena that's happening in California, especially in your county, San Bernardino County, with illegal marijuana growers cartels, different people coming in and growing illegal marijuana. Um, we had a reporter on the show, Jorge Ventura, he actually talked about this, but people had doubted, could this be possible in California? Can you tell us what's going on in your county? I can, and I understand why people can think that. I was recently having a conversation with my brother describing San Bernardino County. He says that's not possible, that this is California, this is America, we don't have that. And, and we do, we absolutely have what Jorge described. And so our county is a little bit different than Northern California. And I, I think that it occurs in San Bernardino County because we have three main interstates um, that provide access to the people that are growing. And we are over 20,000 square miles with very few deputies to patrol those areas. So you can pretty much do what you want um, and you go unnoticed until recently in our county. Can you tell us what it looks like? What, what are they doing? What is illegal growing? Yes. Kind of so I can tell you what it was. Um, about two years ago, my residents, when I was in community meetings out in the desert areas, they said, listen, there's black SUVs with tinted windows. And the windows, as we walk by or we ride our horses by, the windows roll down, wow. people holding weapons saying, wow. don't stop here, take another road next time. Our county public works crews um, they were told, don't need to grade this road today, turn around with weapons in sight. Wow. And so now we see watchtowers that have popped up with, with guards that are guarding and alerting the grow sites. You see at nighttime, you hear the generators and you can see the lights in the distance. Um, and so then all the greenhouses started to pop up and the residents said, we don't feel safe here anymore. It's, it's ruining the quality of life for the residents putting fear into them, and then there's so many environmental impacts, whether it's either tapping of wells illegally, just putting wells in the ground, 
could be on property that they own or uh, other property, and um, then trafficking of humans to come in and to work the grows. So, and then contaminants. We've seen chemicals that have been poured on the grows to try to facilitate sort of pesticides or growing faster um, so that they can get more growing yields in. And none of those are legal in the state of California or even in the US for that matter. And when they're done, they just dump it into the ground. Wow. So it's soil contamination, groundwater, human trafficking, quality of life for our residents. It was, it, it felt like I was in a third world country in our own county. It was crazy. And they come and buy the land? How did this happen? Multiple ways. So we have some property owners that were approached to lease their land to the growers. Um, they did so, which they're, they're taking the money. Did um, they know that these are growers? or? Sure they did. Um, they looked the other way, I think. Many of them knew. There was pressure put on by the citizens not to lease to them. And it's, it's hard when you're faced with an awful lot of money and your regular water rights are being controlled by what we call our water master. And water rights are decreasing the amount that of uh, water allocations that you get every year because of our drought. And so if they can't grow crops normally with their regular water, they just lease to someone else who puts an illegal well in um, and they get the lease money from that. So it's an economic boom for those people that choose to do it. We've also had people come in and purchase land. So we had a great turnover where the locals are saying, I don't wanna live with this in my backyard and I can sell my property and make a lot of money right now um, for the people buying the dirt out in the middle of nowhere. And then the third one that you see is they just decide to set up and grow on property that's not theirs. So we had a local story of, um, it was a local fireman who owned a parcel of land out in the desert. He takes his kids out and he camps out there a couple of times a year and he went out to go camp on his land and all of a sudden there's a grow and there's irrigation ditches and canals and he thought he was on the wrong land and he's on his land wow. and they just came in and set up shop. So a lot that, of people own land but they don't go out and see it. That sounds like something that will happen in Mexico because I know people that have land in Mexico yes. and then they go back and they see there's Something an airport changed. in there. Yeah. In their <laughs> land, you know? yeah. So you mentioned these guys have set up watches. Mm -hmm. Like, can you explain that? That was intriguing me to know. Like, how do they do it? Like, that you said l night guards or what? What did you call? So them? when you drive by and you see it, and we've done aerial, we, we we've sent in drones to see what they're doing. It's really hard to send. Our code enforcement officers don't want to go alone. Um, our sheriff's deputies have been shot at at the grows. And so we've assembled teams and some of our footage that we've captured from local residents as well as drone footage and otherwise shows what it looks like a watchtower is. It looks like, you know what it looks like? It's at the beach. When you go to the beach and you have the lifeguard stand. They have something like looks that? It's just like that. In the wow. middle of the desert with some shrubs around it, um, where a ladder where people walk up and then they patrol on the outside of that. It looks like a lifeguard tower. Wow. So that's sophisticated. So they're going up and they're absolutely and they're in radio contact with somebody somewhere letting them know. And it's the desert. So you can see 20, 30 miles. Far, far, sure. yeah. far um, away. Yeah. Before we continue, we would like to thank Shen Yun for sponsoring this channel. I lived in China for two years and experienced two different Chinas. One is the China we know now. 
unfortunately with communism. And the other is ancient Chinese culture with 5,000 years of history, strong values, ethics and morality that has been lost. Shenyun Performing Arts is reviving this 5,000 years of Chinese traditional culture. It takes you back in time to magical world of ancient China with a unique blend of brilliant dancing, beautiful costumes, and legends coming to life. Go to shenyun.com to find out the schedule and theater information. It's a lifetime experience you don't want to miss. Book your tickets today. Now let's go back to the interview. So one other question, you mentioned human trafficking. Yes. What does it mean? Like what do they bring people there so, to work? So one of, let me back up just a little bit. So when we, when the sheriff's department would go out and they would raid the grows, the, the people that were tending to the grows, sort of if you think of it as an agricultural product, the, those that were the farmhands, they typically don't speak English. So it's a lot of the Chinese, some Russian, but not mainly, it's Mexican and Chinese. And the people that were growing in the crops would say, this isn't, I'm just here working, I'm, I'm a laborer, I'm a day laborer. And most of them are illegal, probably brought to this country and they are working off their debt to say a coyote or someone who wow. has trafficked them in. And then once their debt is paid, then they are free to go, but they work in these substandard conditions that are horrible. Um, and, and then they move from camp to camp, from labor to labor. So that's one aspect of it. And so when we realized our sheriff's department, so we could, we could arrest the farm worker, but that doesn't solve the problem. They just replace them with another worker. When you would go to the owner of the property, the owner would say, oh, I have a lease right here um, with a tenant. And well, who's your tenant? What's the phone number? Oh, their phone's disconnected. I don't know how to get in touch with them. I guess they broke their lease. Now we think that all of these people are in the same operation, but they point to each other mm -hmm. like this and we couldn't prosecute it. And so one of the things that we have done that has been successful in our county is to have what we call an abatement ordinance. So we can touch on Prop 64 yeah. and sort of what... Before we get into yeah. what you guys did, one other question I have. So this seems like a massive operation if they have multiple places and they're bringing people from different countries. To All over. Yes, it's huge. Do you think it's tied to cartels? Do we have... Absolutely. They, are, they figured out to do this across the border so they don't have to cross the border? It's, uh, the land is vast, the water is available, and where it's going to its destination, it's much closer. So why risk bringing it over the border illegally when you can grow it here and get away with it? And this is uh, because of a proposition that passed, like Prop 64 that passed a few years ago, right? This became, it started, right? It got it a lot bigger, right? So what, so the, the vote, it was a voter-led initiative. So it meant that voters collected signatures um, and they put it on the ballot as opposed to the legislature putting it on the ballot. So the citizens, it was a citizen-led initiative. And what it did, um, for many people that signed it they, they wanted it, they wanted cannabis to be decriminalized. So they didn't want minority communities being incarcerated, like, yeah. which I, yeah. I understand that aspect. But one of the things that they did to create that um, was that they made it a misdemeanor, so it's only a $500 misdemeanor ticket to grow. Whether you have one plant or 500 plants, it doesn't matter, it's the same $500 citation. 
And so when you talk to legal growers, and we do have areas in San Bernardino County, Needles and San Bernardino, Needles, Adelanto, and now Barstow are three incorporated cities where you can legally grow cannabis. When you talk to growers in those cities, the illegal operations hurt them. They drive the, the cost of their product down. And there's no, um, it's just, it, it creates an un an unfair playing field for the legal entities. Also, the mayor of Adelanto, I don't know if you've seen the news, he got in trouble for getting $57,000 of I've bribes. I've seen from the parts of that, yes. From actually the legal growers, which is, it seems like the legal, and I've been hearing from different cities how the legal growers are actually coming in and trying to work their way into city, to different cities, and it seems like the whole thing has failed, like uh, in all fronts, it right? It has. If, if you're a grower and you do it legally, um, the cost of permitting, the cost of the regulations, it just, it makes it so onerous to get into the business. And there are so many people also doing it. Um, our Department of Cannabis Control has done a, I think a very good job of trying to work around that which Proposition 64 created. Um, but at the state level, whether it's taxation or permitting, it just becomes very difficult for the small grower or even the large growers to make a profit. And because the illegal is so easy and profitable, it drives the cost per pound of the, the cannabis way down. They're not able to do it legally and make money. And when you mentioned it was a misdemeanor mm -hmm. now, when the, your, your police department go out there, the, mm -hmm. sheriff, the sheriffs go out there and actually catch these plants, um, would be a misdemeanor if the person actually had set it up in their house? So inside versus outside, different provisions in the law. So what we're talking about is outside grows that are beyond the amount that you can personally grow for your own consumption. And so larger grows um, that fall outside of that. So we don't prosecute that which falls under the state law for your own personal growth and consumption. Mm -hmm. So just the, the, the much larger grows. Our sheriff can cite them, but it's a misdemeanor site. Wow. It's like getting a speeding ticket. And so the growers, to them, it's just the cost of doing business. They pay their fine and they go on about their business. And they do it again? Can again and again and again. In the same property? So of course. And then even, it, so we looked at different ways. We were, our district attorney partnered with us and to try to find ways that we could prosecute heavier crimes, like how could we make it a bigger crime, understanding that we had to work around the constraints of Proposition 64. And then the problem is, is then the, even if the DA agrees to prosecute it, then it's up to the judge that gets the case to say, this is legitimate criminal activity or we dismiss it. So one of the things that Stanislaus County did was they did a, a per day fine and I, I shouldn't speak without fully knowing, but I think it was $1,000 per day per plant fine um, if you grow over so much. And their district attorney tried to prosecute that, and the judge, the, they kept throwing them out, saying that this is unfair. This is not, this is too restrictive. And so San Bernardino County has taken a different tack to what eradicate it. What did you guys it. do? Can you tell us? So, yes, yeah, so when we, so our sheriff's department realized that the property owners were saying it's their tenant. We couldn't find the tenants. And it was this, you know, giant circle that was never able to be prosecuted. 
So what we, we did was, with the Board of Supervisors' help, we passed an ordinance that we call the Cannabis Abatement Ordinance, and it said, if you are growing illegal cannabis outside of what Proposition 64 allows for personal consumption, then you're in violation of our abatement ordinance, and we're going to come in, we're gonna take your plants, we're gonna fine you the $500 on the misdemeanor, but then you have an immediate requirement to remove um, the, the hoop houses, the, the grow mm -hmm. houses. If you don't do it, you, your first fine is $3,000, your second fine is $6,000, and then it's $10,000, and that can accrue daily. So we noticed all of these, um, our code enforcement officers would go out simultaneous with our sh uh, sheriff deputies. They would serve the notice of violation that required an immediate abatement to clean the property up. And if it didn't happen, then those fines would accrue. So tens of thousands of dollars could accrue. If the property owner chose not to pay the fines, then we lien the property and we put a lien against the property. And then finally it would go to a tax sale and be sold at auction. So we, we've held the property owners accountable for it. And now they can't say it's their tenant. Write it into your lease that your tenant is in violation, your tenant can pay the fine, but we're coming after the property owners. And that's really what stopped it. It has it stopped? It has stopped. So we have abated, and I have the statistics for you just in last year if you're interested, but we've eradicated so many illegal grows. So just in 2022, at the end of the, the full year of our Operation Hammer Strike, which was the name that our Sheriff's which Department gave it. Year, right? Last year, Last year. So the closeout in December, these are the stats. So they eradicated 1,100 illegal cannabis locations. 1,100. Wow. Which included 8,600 greenhouses. Wow. Mm -hmm. And during the search warrants that were executed during that time period, they seized 1.4 million plants, cannabis plants, 97 tons of processed marijuana, 175 pounds of concentrated cannabis oils, um, 350 illegal firearms. Wow. And the estimated wholesale value, or it says the street value. So the estimated street value of the cannabis that was seized was over $1 billion last year alone. Wow. That it netted um, 946 felony arrests and 433 misdemeanor arrests. So it's a, a tremendous operation that our Board of Supervisors funded and the Sheriff's Department executed and the DA helped prosecute. So it was a great partnership between the three entities. Um, and then our abatement ordinance, we have at the end of last year, we had 485 still open cases. These are people that haven't complied, but we had 537 that tore it down and complied. Um, and so we've done almost 3,000 investigations for, through our code enforcement department, and 774 of those are completed and completely cleared out. So the, um, the citations that are stacking up against the property owners are right now at three million. Wow. You were going through this process, mm -hmm. you guys, so it seems like you guys had, you had to bring your own we rules did. and your own way of dealing with this. Yes. Were you guys not afraid? Because this seems to be very dangerous people, like a county like yours, you know, and it's a small population and, it is. you know, somewhat ruler. 
Yes. Uh, what was it like? So I, I have personally not received many threats um, from the general public, but certainly there is the Sheriff's Department's concerns with how vocal we have been, myself in particular, about eradicating illegal cannabis. And I, I remind folks, so if you take the cartels out of the conversation and you just have the discussion with American citizens that are here legally wanting to grow, that's not what we're talking about. San Bernardino County does not allow cannabis to be grown right now. That's just our policy decision among the Board of Supervisors. And maybe that changes in the future. But even if you grow legally in another county, you still don't want to compete with the illegal cannabis that's hitting the market, nor do you want to consume it or smoke it because of the chemicals that are being used on it. So I try to tell the average citizen that yes, under Prop 64, it was made legal, each jurisdiction gets to decide whether we want to implement that or not. We have chosen not to implement it at the county level. Um, but this is illegal activity. These are really bad guys. And so our sheriff's department said, Don, as vocal as you are, you need to be careful because this whole thing has come about from my district, my residence, and it was me bringing it to the county that said we need to stop this. So. Um, they were concerned about my well-being, but so far I, I haven't received any noticeable threats that I would speak of. So is it harder to deal with the residents that want it, or is it harder to deal with, with what, what the side illegal. of the illegal side? The illegal. Because the residents that want it, they understand that they can't compete in a market with the illegals there. Hmm. So. Now, what about California? Mm -hmm. So you guys are putting your own rule to kind of mitigate what California has done. Yes. <laughs> so how can we fix this? Because there's other counties, Siskiyou County and mm -hmm. other in Northern California that have a much bigger problem. And, and they are, I think they're short staffed compared to you guys. Yes. You guys are probably short staffed, but they're short staffed compared to you guys. What can so California do or what do we need to do? So when it's brought as a citizen-led initiative to the ballot, like Prop 64, it either has to come from the citizens to change it with a different proposition, or it has to take um, a majority, a super majority of the state legislature to modify that ordinance um, and the proposition. So there has not been the political will yet at the state level to have them modify Prop 64. The biggest ask that we would have is to make it a felony to grow illegally much like Colorado and some of the surrounding states. So we're one of the few, if not the only one that has it to be a misdemeanor. So I would say make it a felony. Um, and then really to talk to our legislators about the environmental and the human aspects that are occurring, because I think that's where, you, know, you can look at San Bernardino County and you can say you're a very conservative county and you kind of do your own thing and maybe a little bit different than the rest of the state of California. So maybe we're not, we don't have the, the dialogue and the communication with the state that we would perhaps like to have with a problem like this, but everybody can get behind human trafficking and everyone can get you know behind groundwater contamination and our environmental aspects. So I think that is really the approach, all of the species, whether it's plant or animal species that are being harmed by the chemicals that are being used, that is a universal appeal, I think, that will hopefully convince Sacramento. What about, what about the site that you just mentioned when mm -hmm. you have like people in SUVs rolling the window down, holding a gun? Isn't that a big issue? 
for the state leaders, or do they not know about it? Do you think they are seeing that that something could go wrong if we have people like we that in the community? They do. They know and they understand. So our attorney general has been down. Um, the director of cannabis control has been down. They've seen. They've taken aerial tours. They understand the gravity of the situation with the cartels coming in. They are very sympathetic to that. They are working with us um, to try to figure out the solution. They, they know it exists. There is some frustration, I think, on their part that we don't allow legal cannabis also. Hmm. But our sheriff, if he were here, and I'll just jump in and maybe speak for him, he would say, we're so big, we, we can't police what we have how do we make it legal and control it legally? We have trouble controlling hemp. So San Bernardino County allows hemp to be cultivated legally. But that legally. doesn't solve the problem. No. It doesn't. So it seems like, so the state legislatures, they probably don't know or they don't see that it's that bad. Some, so our local state, we had Assemblyman Lackey and our former state Assemblyman Smith, who both understood it. They both helped us with bills that died in the legislature. So it's getting the rest. Why did they die? They just didn't have support in various committees. They thought it was okay. They thought this, or they didn't really understand the, the gravity. Probably, probably a lack of understanding of the gravity of the situation. What about the media? Have they not really covered the, this? The media has covered this, um, at least in our county, very appropriately. They go out with our sheriff's deputies. So I would encourage you, if you ever want to do a ride along, we don't have the grows that we used to have, although we still have some. Hopefully you don't have any. <laughs> I know. We, um, so we saturated for two years through Operation Hammerstrike, and the need was so great to eradicate the grows that what we did was we made permanent teams. Um, so we've done away with the actual operation, but the permanent teams remain in place. So anytime that there's a grow that someone sees, it's immediately reported, and the teams go out and they shut it down. So we, we've really done a tremendous job with, trying to, to eradicate the illegal Do you grows. think the rest of California can do what you guys did? Do you think it can work in other places like the Northern California where they have a much bigger problem and I, I assume less, much less budget than you guys have? That's the problem. So in our we called it a community concerns budget. We budgeted $10 million um, to address it. So it, and there was an unintended consequence. So to stand up the Operation Hammer Strike at the time, we had to have deputies that were trained, that knew the area, and that could just go. Well, we have a shortage of deputies. So they had to pull deputies from established stations throughout the county to form these teams to go into the desert. So we left all of our other stations shorthanded. So through hiring and through attrition, we've been able to staff up to have now two permanent teams um, but so you had to pay a price. The community that's had to correct. pay a price. Yes, we had to, to ask every community. And then we started noticing violent crimes unrelated to cannabis, but violent crimes were going up in other areas, so we needed to staff up. That just takes a lot of money to do. Um, so the Board of Supervisors has prioritized our Sheriff's Department and said, we value you, you are important to us, and policing our communities is one of our major needs. And so we have chosen to fund that, but that does take a lot of money to do. So how can California solve this problem? You mentioned there's two ways. We have to have another ballot initiative 
but we have to have the majority. Th th I'm sure there's other than that, but those are the two that I know of for sure that would help change Prop 64 to make it um, from a misdemeanor to a felony. So you have to, or at least put a certain, you would put a certain size, right, or amount that people have. Correct. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, that other states are battling with this also. What's working in other states, what's not. We don't need to reinvent it and be the, um, the experiment here. We should go to Colorado and say what worked, what didn't work. Um, we could go to Oregon and say what's working, what's not working. So that and so for other states to look at us and see this is not working. It's not working, <laughs> right. <laughs> don't, don't do it our way. You um, mentioned that you spent $10 million, mm -hmm. and probably you're going to spend more with this special force that you have. Weren't we supposed to make money from this Proposition 64 by taxing the legal growers so that, and we would eliminate the illegal growers? So what's happening here? So under Prop 64, it leaves it up to each jurisdiction whether you want to allow uh, recreational dispensaries, so where you can go in and, and purchase cannabis or not, or agriculturally you can grow it. And in San Bernardino County, we have chosen to opt out of that. So it's just illegal across the board in our unincorporated areas. And each city gets to decide too. So there is no money that comes from the state to the county because we don't participate in any type of cannabis activity. So there's no funding. So if we want to eradicate so it illegal growth, you a lot more. Correct. That comes from our discretionary general fund budget that our citizens pay for, and they're so they're contributing through their tax dollars to their property tax primarily, coming in to address these community concerns. So you have to take from other services. Yes. Like. Now I will say the Department of Cannabis Control, um, California Department of Fish and Wildlife. There are a number of resources that have tried to help us, especially Fish and Wildlife, um, that have come in and taken some of the funds, and I'm sure it comes from Prop 64 indirectly somehow, that are funding those agencies and they are assisting us. But the, the community concerns money, the 10 million that I referenced to you, that is strictly our, our county discretionary funds that our residents pay for. So essentially, it it costs your county $10 million and more, but you're not really getting anything. And it's going to be true. a big cost for you guys. And before Prop 64, you didn't have this problem because it wasn't a misdemeanor, right? Is that, is that what that's caused That's true. You? Correct. So how did you end up dealing with this issue? Wh why are you passionate about dealing with this issue? And I understand you're the county supervisor. It's part of your job. You have to do this. But this is a very um, kind of risky, dangerous, I would say initiative, but w what got you to do this? So I will say that um, as a county supervisor, where most people don't even know really what we do, in my district, there's about 500,000 people. 109,000 people do not have a city council or a mayor that they can go to with their problems. I am their only elected representative. And for me, it's, it's just a personal calling. I, how can I help them um, as we sit down in our office and we look at what are our priorities each January, we say, what's it going to be this year? And I, I have a list and the list changes. And by February, the list has changed because something new pops up. Um, during COVID, it was short-term vacation rentals in Joshua Tree and the mountain areas exploded. We didn't see that coming. We didn't see cannabis coming. And so for me to be able to impact change 
almost immediately at the county level for our residents, that's really what has heartened me and made me want to do the job to represent the citizens. Um, if I stop and think about what are my priorities, it, 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 it's going to be, what's the next thing? It's getting through the pandemic without allowing our businesses to shut down. And it seems like every time there is something new that pops up that wasn't a priority that just jumped to the top of the list. And so having a voice for our unincorporated residents is really what's allowed me to have the passion to do the job. And San Bernardino County is growing, right? You guys have been growing yeah. a lot, right? Can you tell us a little bit about the growth that this county has? Sure. So if you think about it, the coastal regions in California are probably the most popular. They're also the most expensive. And so if you can't afford to buy a house along the coast, then you would look a little bit inland, inland, inland. And the Inland Empire, both Riverside and San Bernardino counties, still have affordable cost of living for houses and wages. Um, our wages are pretty competitive, and so this allows us to have people that say, wow, I'm only an hour from Los Angeles, so maybe I go live and work out in San Bernardino, um, or at least live, maybe work, combination of the two, better quality of life. I mean, imagine I'm 45 minutes to Big Bear to go skiing, and I'm an hour to the beach, so why not live sort of where I have a better quality of life? So I think that's why we're growing in our population. Do you have any other thoughts for our audience? No, I just, if you ever have a problem, like I said, this is the best example of our community coming together and voicing their concerns and having local government be responsive. So never feel like it is too big or too insurmountable, that, that the government is really here to work on your behalf and to help you, and this is an example of that. So always bring your concerns forward. Don Rao, mm -hmm. County Supervisor in San Bernardino County. It was great to have you on California Insider. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for the opportunity. We want to ask you to sign up to our California Insider email list. You will receive exclusive updates on our upcoming documentary and get the latest inside stories on everything that's happening in California. Go to insiderca.com and sign up Thank you for watching. Please click the icon on the left to subscribe to our channel. We bring you the most pressing issues California is facing with straightforward and in-depth interviews. See you in the next video.